from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We'll check in with Bomani Jones in about 25 minutes. Game Theory, Season 2, HBO. Tonight. Looking forward to that. Get his thoughts on the divisional rounds and apparently the bare minimum of which the Carolina Panthers could not do in terms of inclusivity training to meet requirements for the NFL that got some people in some hot water. So we'll talk to Bomani about that and more in just a little bit. Carolina Hurricanes got a win last night against the Wild after a, a, a mini break of sorts. But then with 19 seconds left in the game, we get like the worst possible thing that can happen. Max Pacioretty, who had spent five months rehabbing from an Achilles tear, fought his way back. People, Did you say that right? Achilles? Achilles. Did you hear about the... Wheel of Fortune? No. Misfortune? No. Oh, that's an old Oh, my gosh. That's an I old mi- video. I missed that one. Achilles. Yeah, the guy had rolled a, a million dollar, the million dollar sticker, and then he, he literally bought all of the letters on the board Whoops. and mispronounced Achilles. Whoops. But why wouldn't they give it to him? I mean, you got like, it right, right. What does the pronunciation matter on Wheel of Fortune? They were literally just being they... like, hey, we don't we don't feel like paying this guy. Uh, yeah, they made not. up a rule. Did they really think he was saying a chilies? They thought he was. Well, he did say eight chilies, but oh, still, he ate at chilies. I mean, he's baby back ribs. Maybe they didn't want to give the free potato potato. I know. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So Pacioretty got uh, basically non-contact injury. Skate gets stuck in a rut, and the um, way he reacted, it looked like he had re-injured his Achilles. That's what it looked. There like. There you go. That's what it looked like. The Achilles. His eight chilies. His eight chilies. It's not it's not great for the Carolina Hurricanes. The reaction in the locker room after the fact was pretty brutal. And everybody knows why. Here's Adam Gold, two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, fellas, I got two minutes for a very disappointing 5-2 win over the Minnesota Wild, one of the best teams in the NHL, playing better than anybody else in the Western Conference the last couple of months. All right, you got a lot of good things about it, right? You had Freddie Anderson playing at a ridiculously high level. You had a power play goal from Martin Natchez, who hadn't scored in the last six. A power play goal from Brady Shea, who's suddenly on the power play. We're going to hear from Brady in a second. And he had great goals from Jalen Chatfield and Tavo Teravainen, and maybe the play of the night from Brent Burns that really turned the game around in Carolina's favor. But at the end of the game, Max Pacioretty re-injured his Achilles, it appears, will get confirmation with an MRI on Monday. And if he's done for the year, and Carolina's got to figure out how to replace the guy they were thinking would be the mid-season offensive boost they needed, now they need another one. But first, let's get back to one of the goal scorers, Brady Shea, on the mood. Yeah, no, it's definitely... uh... Put a damper on the wind a little bit. Um, you know, after seeing how much work he's put in to this point, you know, we're just thinking about him right now, and uh, it's just really, really tough to see. All right, Shea's been great. Shea now has a career-high 10 goals. Jalen Chatfield has scored five in his last 13 games. Brent Burns had a big goal last night. Here's the truth. Those guys on the blue line, that's not support scoring. They're supposed to chip in, but Carolina needs help. Without Max Patchy ready, Time to go get yourself a real number two center. Not Paul Stasny. No offense to Paul Stasny. He wasn't brought here to be a number two center. Calvin DeHaan on the third pair defensively. I think the Hurricanes need an upgrade there. They certainly need, at the very least, some insurance there. Let's see what the organization thinks about this team. 
if they don't add for this team, then maybe they don't think it's good enough to win a Stanley Cup because that's what they'll be telling you. That's what be, they'll be telling them. I think this team is good enough to win. In order to do that, you got to go out and pay the price and add. We'll find out. Anyway, we'll see everybody Saturday against the Islanders. That's Adam Gold. That's two minutes. You can check out the Canes Corner Morning After Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. I agree with what Adam said at the end of his segment there. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes will telegraph to you, the fans and the media, what they truly think of this team if they're not aggressive in replacing Max Pacioretty for the playoffs. Because every move they've made is theoretically designed to get further in the playoffs. They know they've got something that they can hammer out in the regular season. And I know that it's been pointed out that the Canes are, what, 27-7-1 without Max Pacioretty. That's not the point. <laughs> it's not about making the playoffs anymore. Now it's about taking advantage of the window that you have. And I, I've seen some reaction, Gilio, to what we talked about at the top of the show, where there are some that don't want to mortgage the future for a rental. But I would... It doesn't have to be a rental, though. It doesn't have to be. I'm simply saying that... What are you here to do? What have you been building to do? Are, do you feel so strongly about your ability to find the next group of core guys in the future that you won't go out there and bring in, for lack of a better term, knuckle-dragging sports talk radio guy here, a dude? Because the guys, the teams that have been bouncing you out of the playoffs have those dudes, even if, like in the case of the Boston Bruins, give you a hard time because the dudes won't go out so easily, okay? And while I love the play of Sebastian Ajo and I love the play of Andre Svechnikov and there's a lot of upside to Seth Jarvis and everything else, what we've seen out of the playoffs is not that. That's that's a problem. So you go out and get Max Pacioretty. You go and you get Brent Burns. I would want them to be aggressive. I want them to go and get a rental. If they truly feel that this team's a Stanley Cup contender, well, then go act like it rather than acting as though you're always going to be in a window like this. Yeah, I mean, their window's only max with this group two more years anyway. Yes. I mean, max. Because I, I don't see Ajo re-signing after what had happened, what transpired the first time. Yeah, I think some people have to remember that a good reason why Sebastian Ajo is with the Carolina Hurricanes right now is because of the Montreal Canadiens putting the Canes mm -hmm. in a position to match the offer sheet. Um, there's, It's not a given that they would have come to terms on an agreement because we do know we have some indication of how Dundon typically operates when it comes to these types of deals. So just something to keep in mind. Fast forwarding to Saturday, we got NC State and North Carolina in Chapel Hill. There is Duke news, by the way. There, Jeremy Roach is supposed to be back, or possibly he could see a return for the Duke Blue Devils against Miami. But all eyes are going to be on this Wolfpack team that seems to be better defensively, seems to be different from the other Kevin Keats groups that have gone to Chapel Hill and have gone home without ice cream. So I am, I am... I'm legitimately curious. I'm not going into the game with the foregone conclusion of how badly is North Carolina going to win, even with all the usual things that come along with an NC State-North Carolina game in Chapel Hill. They're honoring another team. That's really weird. You know, they're not supposed to be rivals, yet every time something something hey special man. seems to happen. Hey, hey, look, it's a feature. 
not a bug. Okay. It's a feature of the rivalry. For instance, you know, like last night you had the Duke women and the and the UNC mm-hmm. women, and they were talking about the record number of uh, students that were there to watch the game at Carmichael, but never forget that they actually charged more for the game at Carmichael against NC State because they know. They know. That was a big deal for them. But regardless, it's a feature, not a bug, in how they talk about it. All right. You say no foregone conclusions. Well, I mean, okay. I think Armando Baycott's going to have a good game. Mm-hmm. I think we could probably safely say that because NC State is thin up front. I also think you could probably safely say that Caleb Love, while shooting 27% from three for the season, the rim might look a little little bigger for him yeah, Saturday. That, that's going to be the fascinating part. I do, I do think Carolina will win the game. It's can NC State fight with them? Can they compete with them? Mm-hmm. Because I do think recently NC State has played better basketball than North Carolina has. What that means, it means they're both in position to make the NCAA tournament. That's all. Nobody's there yet, though. You know, Carolina's one in six in, in quadrant one games. Mm-hmm. They need to stack a few of these up there. Now, they have plenty of opportunities in front of them. This is one of them. But this is one of yeah, them. Yeah, it's, it's amusing a that this is one of them. game with NC State is a Q1 game for Carolina. Unbelievable. <laughs> About that 1993 team, you and I both agree that the 1993 Carolina team is one of an oddly forgotten championship mm-hmm. team in the triangle. Uh, even though it was very, very important for what we now know as the legacy of Dean Smith as head coach at UNC and the dynamics of the Duke-Carolina rivalry because, hey, Mike Krzyzewski had just done back-to-back uh, when that had uh, when that had happened. Was he passing the legend by and everything else? Hubert Davis talked about the guys coming back and how the current team is connecting with the 93 team. This is very important to me. It's important for me that wh- wh- whomever you played for, uh, whether you played for Coach Smith or Coach Guthridge or Coach Doherty or Coach Williams, it's really important for the former players to come back and be able to identify with this place and say, this is the place where I went to school. This is the Carolina that I went to. It's really important, and it's a huge reason why the staff that I work with um, connects to all of those coaching eras is because I wanted to give our guys the full body and the full menu of what this place is about. And so um, having and honoring teams like the 93 team and earlier this year, the 97, 98 uh, team is very important to be able to connect the dots and and to have those shared experiences and for our players to get to understand that. And I think that's a huge determining factor of why Armando gets it in terms of the records because of his uh, relationships with past players and understanding the history of this place. So that's Hubert Davis, head coach, North Carolina, and I agree with him completely. I mean, what do you like to say? What's the line you like to use, especially when it comes to Carolina and what they're about? The standard is the standard, right? Yeah, it's Mike Tomlin. The standard is the standard at Carolina. And you're only going to understand that when you connect with the former players. they big on the UNC family and everything else. And that's been the one nagging issue for this Tar Heels team that's been different from other Tar Heels teams that have been in this position before. Are you going to be one of these squads that gets remembered, you know, for winning it all? Or are you going to be remembered for the squad that had a key part in UNC history and in the Duke Carolina rivalry, but not one that puts a a, a banner up there in the rafters. And I completely see where Hubert Davis is coming with this and why it's important to connect those things. So more power to him. We'll see if it, uh, if it connects on Saturday for the Tar Heels. We will check in with Bomani Jones, ESPN, 
New season of Game Theory starts tonight on HBO. We'll talk to him about that in a little bit. There was one other... um, There was one thing that I wanted to talk about with Mark Permanti, former kicker at NC State, Groza Award winner when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and their kicker who missed a bunch of PATs and things like that. I get that he's got pressure on him this weekend, but you know what? The entire Dallas Cowboys has pressure, man. You know the Dallas. You know how many? Do you know how many posts? You know how many times they've actually won in the postseason since they won their last Super Bowl, twenty some odd years ago. Is it two or three games? It's five actually. Five. It's like five total since their last Super Bowl appearance. Okay, nineteen ninety five. I think it was Triple X ninety five. So, point being, the Dallas Cowboys perpetually under underperform in these situations. And I feel like beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like they did and everybody back on the, not on the bandwagon, but, you know, it, it gives Jerry Jones this, ah, oh, we're going to talk about the 90s again. And I feel it in my, I can feel it in my plums. That's basically what Jerry Jones is doing. He's doing media, talking about how he can feel it in his plums. You beat a bad, you beat a bad Bucks team, y'all. And the whole reason why people thought that the Bucks were going to win was twofold, including mine. Tom Brady still had something left, right? One, you know, m- one more win in him that would get people to freak out, and that the the Cowboys usually do something dumb in the postseason. They did do something dumb in the postseason, the PATs, but it didn't cost them, and the Bucks were a lot worse off than we actually gave them credit for. As you like to point out, Jellio, they never really beat any good teams this year, with the exception of the Cowboys earlier in the year, which is ironic. San Francisco ain't that man. San Francisco is not that. So I, I see this ending. The question that I have is, you get you don't get through the divisional round, is Mike McCarthy actually going to stick around? Or are they going to get in on the Sean Payton sweepstakes? Something we'll discuss with Bomani Jones, ESPN, Game Theory. Season 2 starts tonight. We'll link up with him next. If there's anything that you missed from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Five stars only. Positive vibes only. Also, check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. 99.9 The Fan Raleigh, if you want to be more specific. All I care about is you smash the subscribe button. Leave comments. Hit the like buttons. I need to work that algorithm. Work the algorithm in our favor. Bomani Jones. Season 2 Game Theory. It's finally arrived. And he joins us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Bo, what's up, man? Hey, man, just got back home from the studio, watching the edit, sending it down, all that fun stuff. So biggest, um, what was easier about this go-round versus the last go-round, other than, you know, you've never done a show on HBO before? Yeah, honestly, strangely enough, I'm not sure anything this go-round is easier. Like, it's going to be better, but easier, well, the one thing that's easier is the way we're doing our top of the stuff is easier because it's going to be a lot more just let me rip as opposed to like the writers trying to sound like me. How about I just sound like me <laughs> and then go make that happen? You that's know, a, like that's, that's probably it. But it's one of those things that as you get into it, you learn more about what there is to do, which means there is more to do. All right. So um, without giving too much away, what can people expect in episode one for season two? Oh, man, well, I'll give away what HBO put in the press release. Okay, uh, all right, fair. We, we got an interview with Nick Wright of FS1, my good buddy, talking about a few different things. We've got an exploration of LeBron James in his 20th year and the legacy of player empowerment. 
I was going to say with Nick Wright, uh, what I always find amusing from Nick Wright is that he's he's absolutely turned being, I don't want to call him a super fan for players, but he's almost like an on-air avatar for these guys. He he mm-hmm. he kind of stumps for them like a political candidate. It's very fascinating to watch him do it. Yeah, he's also legitimately brilliant. Well, yeah, like yeah. like not average, like not just like oh this guy's pretty good at this. He's special, and so he had a great interview. But I think. I think people are going to really, if you watched the show last season, you're going to see that we stepped it up. If you didn't watch the show last season, you snooze. All right, man. We're hyped for it. I'm very, very excited about this. Bomani Jones, Game Theory, Season 2, HBO. Right time is the podcast as well. Let's get to uh, let's get to the NFL. We were actually talking about this earlier uh, as it relates to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, of the, team, of the teams that are remaining in the divisional rounds, they are the ones that are dealing with the most amount of pressure. You can focus on the kicker and whether or not he's still going to have yips and whatnot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to the San Francisco 49ers if they fire Mike McCarthy after this and get in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. Well, one thing about Jerry, though, Jerry doesn't fire fast. Like, the only person he's really fired, like, he's not recently, like, Jason Garrett stayed there for nine. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, he doesn't have, like, the background with McCarthy that he had with Jason Garrett. I, I would be shocked if they fired McCarthy after this year. But my thing with this game is, at some point, a rookie's going to – fully act like a rookie at quarterback. It's just a matter of when that is. Is that this week? I don't think any of us know when the week is, but to expect Brock Purdy to hold this together for four straight playoff games, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. Bamani Jones, HBO, Game Theory, tonight, Friday's Season 2, joining us here in the Heaster Automobile Hotline. All right, Bo, uh, help me out here with the Panthers and David Tepper and his wife. It, did, did she just not watch a video? Is it more I'm, than I'm that? Sorry, what, what, what did his wife do? Oh, oh. so, this, so our friend Jonathan Jones on, on CBS Sports last night pointing out that the Panthers have been in violation of NFL rules regarding their search for their next head coach. Apparently not all members of the search committee, which includes Nicole Tepper, David Tepper's wife, had completed the mandatory inclusive hiring training before beginning the search. Essentially, it's one thing if my boss is after me about the cybersecurity training we have to do once a month. Oh, it's like a it's like a virus. It just won't go away. <laughs> this this is a thing that apparently they couldn't do the bare minimum. Somewhere, and I tweeted this last night, Bo, somewhere Brian Flores is texting Steve Wilkes going, this has got to be funny, right? Like, you find the humor in this, right, Steve? Dude, I, they just want to pay out this lawsuit. They do. They like, really that's do. That's the only conclusion I can draw. And I get it, man. Tepper's a splashy dude. He got all that money. And if you get Sean Payton, get Sean Payton. But that dude went 6-6 six and six with those quarterbacks that they had. You kind of got to give them the job. My bigger question, Bo, is, a search committee it, it, are they paying a uh, uh, an executive search firm to like this is the NFL what what in the world are you doing with a search committee i think david tepper is saying i made the last hire and i'm going to make this hire too but i'm going to look like i learned my lesson mm-hmm. well here's the thing you bring up Sean Payton is he worth what the 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 saints are asking for right now especially for the carolina panthers you're sitting there with the ninth pick in the draft uh, and it's a division rival, so who's to say that they're not going to ask for more? Do you really want to give those assets to your division rival to get a coach when you need the bodies? Uh, the, the the trick bag with Sean Payton, and I think Sean Payton is a really good coach. But we've only really seen it with Drew Brees. Yeah. 
with Drew Brees. And he's not Belichick in the sense that Belichick's area of expertise is the other side of the ball and all of this other, like, super-duper genius stuff. Okay. If I've only seen you do this with Drew Brees, are you a $20 million a year coach? And that's what he wants because now we're starting to find out what the upper echelon of coaches make. Oh, that's an interesting discussion now, isn't it? Um, and so I probably would not pay him $20 million, but I couldn't buy a football team cash. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't have that kind of money. You know, I don't know what yeah. the math is on this. I was going to say, that feels like the least of David Ke- Tepper's concerns what, the is money? the money yeah. that they're paying Sean Payton. Like, no. can't, can't they get someone, say he doesn't want Steve Wilkes, which at, at this point it's abundantly clear that he doesn't. Can't you go and hire some random, you know, faceless, nameless coordinator, offensive coordinator, Bo, and, and win nine or ten games and make the playoffs with this group in, in that division? Yeah, you might be able to, but let's be honest. Does David Tepper actually know who those people are? Like, anytime somebody's like the owner is making the hire, I'm like, how many, like, assistant coaches do you think this owner's ever heard of? Yeah. Like, yeah. they'll bring him into the interview and the owner might like, might like him. But the idea that owners make these hires, I think in a lot of cases they green like these hires. But you're not going to convince me that they know enough about what's going on in the NFL to do exactly what it is that you're talking about. Well, early returns on David Tepper with the Panthers, Bose, he sounds a lot like Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team in relation to who's the hot name that I recognize, I want him. Like, there was a report, I I forgot which NFL reporter it was, pointing out that David Tepper would do anything to get Sean Payton. And then he wanted to do everything to get Matt Stafford. He wanted to do everything to get Deshaun Watson. Hey, I'm going to make this big splash, and I'm going to take Matt Rule away from the Giants. Whatever money you want. I mean, it could be the point where Don Yee, who's the agent for Sean Payton, is going... I think this guy's a mark. We could probably use him to up the leverage for other teams right now. Yeah, you totally can because he's he's willing to jump. The thing about Snyder, though, was Snyder didn't use those guys as marks. Snyder got him to actually sign up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Bamani Jones, ESPN, HBO, The Right Time is the podcast. He's joining us here. That's Joe Obvious. I'm Joe Giller. All right, but it was only a matter of time before we had our first NIL. N- L I N I L break the we got both <laughs> too many acronyms. It was only a matter of time before we got our first contract broken in college sports. Jaden Rashad on the quarterback who had committed to Florida and they had their collective had committed to pay him thirteen million dollars over four years. Oh my gosh, Bo, it fell through and the and the player doesn't want to go there anymore. What a crisis. <laughs> Yeah, except for technically by these rules, you're not supposed to use these things as inducements to get people to come there, which doesn't make any sense in the world. But I guess I think the other point where that gets to be interesting in talking about it, obviously, is was it crypto money, right? Like (laughs) when this thing first really jumped off, a lot of this money was crypto money. That was the big talk around when Miami hired Cristobal mm-hmm. is that the, the, the crypto boom, it happened. These people had this money. How much money do these people have now is our question. And I don't know, but if this guy, and let's be clear, he's not regarded like Arch Manning no. is regarded Four-star as recruit. a player. Yeah. If, and he was, I think he was like, five, like one of those early five-star types, but – if he's getting $13 million, guys, you keep telling me that nobody had money to pay these dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently they do. But the whole thing falling apart, I mean, what, what can he do? What's somebody else supposed to do with any of this, man? Like this is – there are not very many reputable people that are going to be willing to put in that kind of money on a four-star recruit. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> 
Bomani Jones joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovia's Game Theory Season 2 starts tonight on uh, HBO. All right, so here's my curiosity. The, the, where all this money is coming from is coming from outside the school, right? You're asking boosters yep. to stop giving us money for fountains and barbershops and slides and putting greens. We we want you to give this money and, and, and pool it together for these players. But it's still outside the control of the school. So at what point is a school maybe going to lean on a state legislature to say, look, there's got to be a way that they can get a share of the revenue so that we can actually sign these guys to contracts. So two things happen. One, the deals will actually go through and they'll show up on campus. And two, under a contract, they might not be so inclined to leave through the transfer portal. I mean, I know this is professionalism, but I mean, come on, isn't that it's basically what we got right now? Some schools are going to have to figure this out, right? Yeah, I mean, I I got to push back on one part, like okay. the idea that the schools are like, don't give the money to us, give the money to, oh, no, 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 no. The schools want the money, too. Like, at some point, these two things are going to be at odds. Mm-hmm. The boosters either giving money to the school or giving money to the players, because, yes, they were using the stuff they built at the school in order to attract the players, but... Somebody got a buddy that worked in construction that got that got those contracts. Well, true, right? but I'll, like, I'll, I will point this out. I, I I understand why you're pushing back on that, but I'll I'll point out Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson, the leader in superfluous additions to their football facilities, have put out videos basically saying, "Now is the most important time ever. You need to get together with these collectives, right?" And mm-hmm. I, I think even at NC State, and and talking to some people who are around these collectives. Uh, it's a classic case of NC State rich ain't the same as, say, Carolina rich or SEC mm-hmm. rich, that kind of stuff. And you're finding out just how far your dollar is going to take you. So I do think that some of the schools and the coaches especially are saying, you got to pull this money so that we can get the talent to get here because I can't win otherwise. Now, I do think that's fair. And I do wonder, I think, a place that puts us in the middle of where both of us see this, if there's going to be a point at which like the booster classes are stratified, like it's the people with the yeah. big money yeah. for capital projects. Yeah. And then it's the, like the nouveau riche want to get on. You guys get the players. <laughs> yes. Cause that was the yes. thing that crypto boom always felt like what it opened the door for though, was for people who want more clout to be able to get it. So you don't see at any point schools uh, realizing that the collectives are something they can't control. and Because this is a bad look for Florida, man. This is a bad look for Florida. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I totally see the schools recognizing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just not exactly sure what they can do. Because the problem is you put whatever that rule is in that one state, the externalities of that. Like, how does that affect you competitively yeah. against the places that are not doing yeah. these things? Like, all of this NCAA punted on regulating this and – it's over, man. Like I just don't yeah. know how crazy this is ultimately going to get if that guy's getting a $13 million deal. Bomani Jones, hey, man, looking forward to it. Season two, Game Theory, it's awesome uh, that it's back. Uh, it's on a night where you can be a little bit more on top of it, looking ahead of the football stuff, which is always fun, too. And we'll talk to you next week. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys. All right, Bomani Jones.